0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth baseball talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. I encourage you to go to theropetrainer.com, check them out. They have scientific data now that lets you know that the Rope Trainer actually works. Uh, Earl Perrin, all the guys over there, Smoltz, Verna, they're trying to do their best to save some of the bullets in those young arms. I encourage you to check out theropetrainer.com. Uh really excited about the the show. Uh welcomed in my new co-host last week, Spiker Helms. Spiker, what's going on? It's going good. Got uh got something interesting for you guys. Uh Spiker and I were talking about things that we think we can do to enhance the show. Uh I you know, again, I I I've made no uh, bones about it. I think Spiker's tremendous uh baseball guy, but he's also very, very good at understanding how we can push the content out and reach more people. And at the end of the day, that's what the show is about. The series did really well. What we want to do now is attack what I feel, and um, I'll be interested to hear some of our uh, uh, interviewees, their thoughts. But velocity and, and where we are with it and how to do it and, and what's going on with it basically in the world of baseball, to me, seems like the polarizing thing on social media. I mean, everybody wants to talk about velocity, and it seems so important. So Spiker and I got together, and we decided that the next series, which we will start today, would be Chasing Velocity. Uh, basically you can see how open-ended that is. You can take it however you want. Chasing velocity good, chasing velocity bad, chasing velocity crazy. I don't know. I I always say I know enough to be dangerous. So, uh, you know, Spiker, you had a a, a few things about velocity and and where you see us as a baseball society right now within the youth world.
2: Yeah, there's a number of articles that have been written, and um, really the conversation for me started when Perfect Games started putting on those um, pitch count regulations. And so with and how that stemmed was a book called The Arm by Jeff Passon. Right. And now Vice Sports has written on it. Um, A number of bloggers have written on it. So I think it's our time to really jump into this space and try to get get to our connections and talk to major influencers that we know.
1: Well, and again, that's kind of where we're coming from out there in, in youth baseball world we have the opportunity to interview some of the best guys in the country that are very recognizable names that have not, you know, they're not just guys either that played the game. These guys that we're going to be talking to are guys that kind of live and breathe this. So whether it's something they've done that worked, didn't work, uh, research, scientific data, uh, background, whether it be medical background, whatever, these are the guys that, I think you should hear from really more than just a guy like me or even Spiker to some degree because we're around it all the time. Yes, that's important, but there is a health issue, there is a medical issue, and then there is just a basic way the body works issue with this whole thing. So we thought it would be important to bring you some of the best names uh, out there. I'm real excited about today's because I love him. He's an unbelievable guest. Before we get to him, though, I do want to remind everybody, make sure you go to youthbaseballtalk.com. That's our website that houses the podcast. Uh, one of the things a lot of people love to do when they find us is basically binge less and I kind of feel like Netflix. When I get yeah. the, I get the, hey, I found your podcast, man. I've been listening for like ten straight days. I'm almost done, and I'm like, geez, we're up to eighty episodes. That's a long time. So, um, you know, so I do appreciate that greatly. But youthbaseballdoc.com is where you'll find that. Uh, you can subscribe to the show through there. Just click subscribe to the podcast. It's free. It's easy to do. Uh, you know, with Spiker on board now, we're going to be doing a lot of special editions, things like that.
2: And also, we're going to have more content out there. So, it, yes, we're going to be the downloads and trying to get the listening. But we're going to have some more videos out there, so you can consume it in different different ways.
1: Well, Twitter's great as well. Uh, you know, Twitter. We know it's it's it, you know it's cluttered up and things like that. But it still amazes me. We can find very interesting things on Twitter. I always do kind of feel like. Twitter's, I hate to say this, but Twitter's kind of like, for a baseball person, if you're following youth baseball, it's kind of like that guy or gal that's been out and had a few beers. (laughs) You know, people just throw stuff up on Twitter when they get excited or they get upset or whatever it is. But that's the thing. We want to talk about the topics that you really want to talk about. So don't forget us on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. It's, uh, really,
2: it's really like being in a clubhouse.
1: It really is. Yeah, people are not shy. You no, know, people no. are real brave behind a computer oh, or a yeah, phone. very brave. Same thing with Facebook. Don't forget to find us there. Youth Baseball Talk, you'll find us there. Uh, again, as Spiker said, I think you're going to start seeing more and more from our Facebook page as well. And we're going to ask you to help us out as well, too. When you see stuff from us on, on, on Youth Baseball Talk, whether it be Twitter or Facebook, all we ask is that you like our stuff and share it because that's the only way people that – for one reason or another, that haven't heard of us yet, are going to find us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, it's awesome. And lineupmedia.fm, we're proud to be part of that network. Podcasting is the wave of the future, folks. I hate to say this because I love to listen to my Cardinal games on the radio, but radio's kind of dying unless it's something like that that's time sensitive. You want to listen to what you want to listen to on your dime. So, lineupmedia.fm has tons of shows you can choose from. Make sure you check them out. I guarantee you'll find something besides youth baseball talk that's worth your entertainment time. Well, uh, as I talked to Spiker about this, I said, okay, who are we going to talk to? You know? And so we started going down the list and, uh, you know, through my time of doing the show, I've met some unbelievable people. Spiker's been in the game now for a while. He's met some unbelievable people. I told him, uh, and, and, you know, yesterday we were really lining all this up. And I said, the very first guy we got to talk to is the guy that I love the most. Cause number one, not only is he extremely knowledgeable, it's not just an opinion either. He's, you know, he's a, kinesiology guru type. I hate to use that word, guru, but I don't know any other word to use. Yeah. But, and when you listen to him talk, you're going to hear the passion in his voice, and that is Travis Kerver from Elite Out of Chicago. What's going on, Travis?
3: Hey, Jim. Spiker, thanks for having me on. It uh, was a pleasure to be on your show. You guys do such a great job to you know, keep people informed uh, on things going on in baseball and, and giving them better ways to continue to enjoy and, and move this game along.
1: Well, you and I have talked before. I've gotten to know you uh, through Justin Stone. Um, You know, my kids have been up to see you guys. I've seen you at some conventions. um, And I tell people all the time that um, I've seen a lot of people at conventions. You and Justin are about as infectious and engaging as you're going to find. So I will encourage people, if you ever have the opportunity to listen to either Travis Kerber or Justin Stone, I, I always encourage you to do that. You guys have made it real easy, though, for people to engage with you every day through your EliteBaseball.tv, so I would encourage people to check that out as well. The purpose for having you on today, and again, you're never short for words on this topic, and I, I, I guarantee you when we were doing the intro here, you were kind of snickering in the background, and that is the never-ending chase for velocity. So before we get into a few things, um, I, I'd love it if you just take a quick second, tell people a little bit about your background so that they know where you're coming from, uh, and then you can kind of give us your, like, I don't know, the first thing that jumps in your head when you hear the words chasing velocity.
3: Uh, so, um, I, I started, um, a professional career in 2004. I uh, was lucky enough to, to play for about six years. Um, decided that my passion for, for teaching was, was just as much as it was for playing, uh, which I didn't think was really going to be a possible. Um, and, uh, I started out working uh, within the White Sox organization, running a training facility for the White Sox, uh, which is where I met Justin. And then when Justin came over and started Elite, um, I was happy to jump over and and work with him, Um, him being a knowledgeable guy and uh, kind of pursuing, trying to push baseball farther than uh, other people were, especially in this area that we're in, the Chicagoland area. Uh, So that was exciting. Um, And Justin being a, a guy with a degree in kinesiology, uh, was a good fit, and he was already at that point doing uh, 2D video analysis because uh, that was the cutting edge at that point when we first got together. And he was one of the first guys I know that was doing that. So jumping on board with him, being able to learn with him, him, him being able to put me in front of other people to learn from and us kind of pushing each other, uh, it's kind of made me who I am now. And I think, you know, it's funny, as you say, like, you know, kind of my background, it's like I change every year. I don't think that there's ever been a year that I've been the same as the year before I think that's because the game is changing, technology is changing, statistics are changing, um, the way we can analyze data and, and capture data is changing. So um, I think it's really important for everybody out there, including myself, to try to stay as educated as possible, knowing that we're not always going to know the answers. Um, and when you talk about velocity, you know, it was, it was funny when you asked me their data to jump on the show with you Um, I just got done doing an interview with a young student of mine who's doing a research paper on, um, throwing, uh, pitching specific and arm injuries. And, you know, it stems from everywhere and, you know, the velocity is such a double-edged sword as you put it when you were talking intro that, you know, to me, you know, there's the dangers of it, you know, that, that you stress it so much upon young kids that aren't necessarily physically ready to do that yet. Um, but it's also, to me, you know, part of what makes the game fun is you're, you're saying, listen, you know, if, if you want to compete in this game, you athletically have to be better than other people. And that's the driven part of the velocity side where you know, who can throw the hardest? You know, it's that, that macho bravado thing of who's got the best arm. So you know, I think there's always a good and a bad to it because as a, as a fan, I think fans like to watch guys throwing hard. Um, so that, that is always a drawing and appealing thing. Um, then, like I said, you, you get the other side of it that, you know, the chase for it when some people aren't ready to make that part of what their chase should be, you know, leads to things that we don't want to see, which is, you know, youth, kids, uh, sitting out seasons, you know, I've seen now 14-year-old, 15 year olds you know, having Tommy John, um, which, which is kind of crazy, you know, that, you know, some of these guys are losing a little bit of their youth um, trying to live in a grown man's arena.
1: Well, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I think we equate everything with kids to what we see on TV. Um, you know, where what should we be doing? What is out there? Like how, you know, here's the one that I love all time. You can give me your thoughts on this, Spiker, but this is my favorite one. If I don't do it, he's going to get left behind. That's my, that's, that seems to come out of parents' mouths every day.
2: Yeah, well, like a twelve-year-old's worrying about velocity, and it's like, dude, you haven't even gotten to your puberty yet. Like, you haven't even gotten to that point where you're going in high school and then you start developing muscles. You know, on
3: that so, note,
2: yeah, go ahead, Travis. Yeah,
3: for sure. I mean, that's 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 one of those things. You know that, you know, you feel like as a parent, you're like, well, but if my kid's not, you know, in this travel organization, or if my kid's not taking lessons, or if my kid's not throwing this speed then he's never gonna be able to catch back up, you know, and the unfortunate is, is that that's not really the case. I mean, everybody physically matures at a different point. You know, I've seen a lot of kids, you know, I see this actually quite a bit. You know, I get a lot of times I'll get juniors or seniors in high school that I've never worked with before and they'll come into me and they'll be like, Hey listen, I can't get any colleges to look at me. You know, that I, I I was talking to this school and they told me that I needed to get to eighty six for them to take me from, take me seriously and you know the kid will come into to me and he'll be throwing you know 78 and i'll be like okay well you know your timetable is short for if you're trying to get to that goal now you know but some of these kids at that point are at 78 because their body when they're younger wasn't ready to physically throw 86 you know and some of them as they come in and we go through a little bit of a consultation about you know where they lack in mobility and how they need to build strength up to be able to continue to develop and really kind of push that velocity thing I've seen some of those kids within you know four months or so get up to an eighty six number. you know and and to me that's that's less about them having to have thrown eighty six when they were fifteen years old, when their body wasn't ready, that when their body's ready then then they can do what they need to get done, and that happens in a lot of cases. I mean, you know if you look at you know probably a lot of the guys that I've associated with that are now in college at a hum organization, we've had we've had quite a few guys that were higher-velocity guys coming in already at a younger age. And we've had you know numerous guys that were average-velocity coming in. And a lot of times when they get out of high school, those guys are typically around the same kind of number. So I don't think it's necessarily a race to try to get there first. I think it's a race to try to get your body ready. And when your body's ready and you're willing to work, you're going you're gonna to have an opportunity to get there. So you know, as a parent, I know it's tough because you want to see your kid be the best. But, you know, that's like saying, hey, you know, son, you're you're 14 years old, you know, why why is your education level not high enough that you can't go run a business right now? Well, because their mind hasn't matured far enough along to think outside of video games and and chasing girls, maybe. But that's the whole point is that you can't sit and expect every single kid to be in that, that wavelength. And I think, you know, as a parent, you know, it's tough. I've got a, you know, six-year-old that's coming up and starting to play sports and you know, I watch him sometimes go out and maybe not be the best athlete in the group when he's in. You know, I'm trying to keep him interested and having fun, and if he's not the best, that doesn't bother me. You know, it's one of those things, like, if he grows up and he's physically ready to, to do something at a higher level, then, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready for that point. So I think, you know, talking to parents and getting parents to understand that there is no timetable to be great. I tell people this story all the time. I mean, I, when I was a sophomore in, in my junior college, um, I topped out at 85. Like, I, I mean, I was a catcher at that point, but I, got on the, I just got on the mound because I wanted to see how hard I threw. And I could touch 85. I mean, that means I was throwing. If I was actually in a game pitching at that point, I probably would have been like 82 pitching and would have touched 85. And by the time I was, you know, getting towards the end of my baseball career, I had touched 96. You know, so maybe I was just a late, a late bloomer body-wise too. I don't know. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't for lack of me practicing when I was a kid or for lack of me, you know, going out and not trying to throw hard. Because as a kid, I was the same thing. I mean, I was, you know, looking at my friends going, like, I want to throw harder than him and I want to hit harder than him. So I think, you know, everybody kind of gets there at a different point And, you know, it's important to make sure that we slow down sometimes and figure out what's going on first. You know, is this, is this kid ready for this? You know, I think that's the next kind of wave. is that, you know, even though it's a little bit more cost-intensive, uh, to do mobility testing first, I mean, you know, if, if your mobility is not right, your muscles aren't going to function correctly. You're more likely to break down. So even if you are doing stuff efficiently movement-wise, your mobility will change the entire programming of your body, which could lead to a higher risk of injury in itself. And once mobility is, is conquered, um, then you start adding on strength. You know, and then, you know, for a lot of kids, and I, I've told several kids in our organization, you know, you need to slow down. You need to stop thinking about velocity. Your body's not physically ready for you to do that yet. And it's hard because I know those kids are going to go out and still throw hard um, or try to. But, it, you know, it's my due diligence to tell them, listen, you know, you're you're, you're at a higher risk for, for injury based on your mobility or your strength level for what you're doing. So, you know, I think, you know, as time goes on, the ability to take kids um, even in groups or have – have a, a PT come out to practice and say, listen, you run these guys through some, some simple testing just to kind of see where their mobility and strength level is at and get everybody kind of in their own program. There's some young kids that can and should throw harder uh, because their bodies are more physically ready at that point, And there's some that should, you know, and that applies to high school and even college.
1: You, you know, for me, this is what I always find interesting about the topic, especially in the youth world I consider the, the human mind supposedly to be able to adapt and learn. That, that's, I mean, that's what we're supposed to be, right? So if there's one thing I've noticed being a coach and a parent uh, involved in this is that, I mean, I hear it all the time, and that's this, very simply. There are so many kids that throw harder because, and I think you kind of touched on it, maybe they're more developed or they're just more athletic when they're younger, We see it all the time. These kids that threw really hard when they were 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, when they get to high school or those years where their body, how many of them don't even throw hard anymore at all? So you would think that people would say it shouldn't be a race to be first, but a race to be right is more where I'm coming from from that. And I think you did touch on that. A lot of that is physical ability. If that's really the case, you would think that people would recognize that, but we seem to as a society and as a parent group, and it's not everybody, but it seems to be, and Spiker, you touch on this because you, you, know, you run a, a quality program with youth teams all the way from little all the way to big. Why is it that parents can't say, you know what, I'm not falling in that trap? And I know that Travis touched on it a little bit because everybody wants it, but why can't we accept that throwing hard at nine or ten doesn't guarantee you automatic success when you're older.
2: I think it's a, it's more of an, an impressive thing. So that when they when a kid starts throwing hard, everyone starts noticing like, "Whoa, Johnny's throwing pretty hard. He, he possibly could have a career in this." And instead of playing the long run game, they play the short run game. Uh, Travis, do you do you have to back
1: people down often, or a, at least a little bit? With you know, you deal with. I've watched you. I mean, that's what impresses me about you guys. You guys obviously have one of the top programs in the country. But I've been up there in your facility, and you're in there working with some young kid. And the way you talk about them is about their natural ability, not what they can and can't do. Do you find yourself sometimes having to have those conversations with parents and say, listen, this is a long-run game here?
3: Oh, that's a nonstop. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, the longer I've done this, you know, when I when I first started out, you know, it's hard to have conversations with parents, I think, when I first started because you know, some parents are going to you know, probably let them down a little bit when you tell them the point where their kid's at and what their kid needs. And some parents are going to get overly excited when you tell them you know, where their kid's at and, and, and what their kid needs. And so you know, I've, I've had it in both ways. I've had kids come in that their movement pattern was a very high-level movement pattern for their age. You know, And I could, I could tell the parents, I'm like, your kid one, your kid one day is going to throw real hard. You know, then it's just a matter of time. And I told him, I said, you know, I've got, I've got a kid that came in yesterday. You know, I talked to the dad and I said, man, like there's, there's not much movement-wise that your kid does poorly. I said, but your kid is just simply not strong enough right now. I said, you know, real, realistically, I said, it's just going to become a waiting game. It's just, it's a matter of time until your kid gets strong enough. So you have to worry about the other stuff. So I said, your, 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 your kid's only job at this point is to make sure that as he grows taller and his pattern changes a little bit because of the length of his body and the timing issues that will be associated with that, that he can just maintain, you know, the efficiency of what he's doing now. And as he adds strength, he's really going to be able to take that to the next level. And I've had kids the other way. I've had kids that are throwing probably excessively hard for the strength and mobility of their body. And I have to tell the parents, listen, you know, in your kid's best interest right now, and I know this probably doesn't sound right because, he just went to a perfect game event the other day and was, you know, X, X miles an hour, you know, and even though he was higher than, you know, 99% of the kids there, you know, right now your kid's looking at a higher risk of getting hurt because of either a strength level or mobility um, or even, you know, partially movement, whatever it is. So, you know, it's a tough thing, but I think, you know, it's one of those things like for me, you know, every kid comes in and they're on a different case by case basis. So my job, I always say my job's easier than being a coach of a team because I deal with a kid for half an hour solely by himself. So I'm not having to say, okay, I've got a whole group of kids and I've got, you know, 11 kids on my team and two of them are kind of in this bracket, three are at this level, two are at this level, one is at this level. And, you know, to have enough time during a practice to tailor everybody's specific needs is tough. Um, You know, so my job's probably a little bit easier in that standpoint because I do get to deal one-on-one. But realistically, you know, same thing. Like, If I was going to go coach a team today, I'm going to sacrifice my whole first practice to get kids to understand at that, that kind of what point they're at, whether it's mobility-wise, strength-wise, and movement-wise, and say, listen, hey, we're not going to practice at all today. Let's talk. Everybody's going to throw a little bit. Let's get some video. Let's talk. Let's watch some big guys throw. Let's see where you guys are similar or different. You know, let's talk about kind of how the body works and what's going to be, you know, something for you to work yourself in towards, you know, and then from there, it's it's kind of almost experimentation. And that's, that's where I think the the real issue comes in is that a lot of coaches, parents don't allow kids to have freedom to be experimental and figure out how their body works best. They immediately just say, Hey, everybody's got to have a long arm action or everybody's got to get over the top or let's get to this really set balance point or you know, make sure you're stepping exactly straight in a straight line. And the kid spend 10 minutes stepping straight in a straight line, but the kid's body actually works better if he's slightly open or closed. You know, and everybody's at a different point. And once you take a kid off of his natural physical ability at that point, you're basically just setting him up on a path to fail. So, again, you know, I think, you know, as I talk to parents, it's trying to inform them, hey, listen, you know, the best thing you can do is kind of let your kid be a kid. You know, let them go out and play with their friends, let them explore, let them go out and, you know, play catch by themselves, let them go out and, you know, play home run derby by themselves and be athletic and figure out how their body moves. You know, it's not always trying to get them to where you want them now. And I think, you know, you hit on earlier with social media, you know, the access to be able to jump on and say, okay, I'm going to jump on, you know, PBR or perfect game, and I'm going to go immediately look at somebody's rankings and see that, you know, the top below in this class is this, or the number one ranked person is that. and Or jump on Twitter and be like, oh, well, look, I can see all these kids from these different states doing these different things. Heck, I just saw on my way home from the gym, coming home to to have this call, I saw a video posted of an 11-year-old that was throwing 71. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, wow, what? Like, why is that even on? <laughs> like, that's great. Like, you know, okay, the kid throws 71, but... You know, again, that's almost like one of those sometimes to me almost like, you know, gloating things of like, look, my kid throws 71 at 11, and I'm like, well, the, like you say, like you hit on it, that kid might be the first kid to get hurt, or that kid might be the you know the kid that doesn't gain a lot as he gets older. You know, and I hope he does. I'm never going to root against anybody, but, you know, I think, you know, parents see that and kids see that because kids are on social media as well. You know, and I think that's what's really tough is that now because of social media, we get this race to the finish line quicker where when we were younger and there wasn't social media and the access, everything like that, you only compared yourself to your friends, you know, and the odds of one of your friends being like a, an 11-year-old throwing 71 was like slim to none. So everybody was, you know, kind of almost on an equal or playing field. So you just you played competitively with your friends, and when your body was ready, then you either jumped ahead of your friends or if your friend's body got ahead or uh, ready – earlier
2: than yours and they jump ahead of you and it's the patience game for a coach and trying to manage that patience is so much harder now and because the loudness of velocity has jumped dramatically because you hit on that point is social media um, and I wish that there were more tweets like yours I have one pulled up that you had that you quote tweeted Um, Rob Friedman and you said uh, stop fitting everyone into the same mold be you That's the type of stuff that needs to be more loud And I think for a lot of the influencers that do believe in this stuff They're not loud enough and I I just I I commend you on that because when I saw that tweet I was like yes, that's what we need. That's the type of stuff not the seven-year-old or the eight-year-old that magically who's the 1% is throwing 71 or 65 or whatever number you want to throw out there.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, that, you know, thanks, thanks for that comment. You know, that's, that's, you know, part of what I'm trying to get more people to understand is I think, you know, again, going back, you know, we, we had an opportunity earlier in this year to talk to a different company that does golf. And they were telling us about all their, their force play technology and how they, you know, they can use ground forces to determine. You know whether somebody uses their backside more, their front side more, and we we're talking to them about how we apply that to throwing um, and hitting, and you know, in throwing in particular, that was one of those things that we're seeing going like, you know, certain people move differently. So based on that, you know, not everybody's going to fit into the same moving pattern. Not everybody is going to develop at the same time because if your legs aren't strong enough to push enough force in the ground, well, then you're not going to use your legs as efficiently as somebody else. Well. How can I expect you to try to be a high-level thrower? Because at that point, the only way you're going to try to be able to make that velocity up is to try to, just try to run through your arm faster, which is, for most young guys, just going to put them in a worse position. So, you know, understanding that everybody is different and, you know, allowing guys to kind of have their own path. But, you know, in the understanding that you know, even if you have that conversation with kids, they're still going to be competitive. I'm not going to tell a kid to hey, you got to throw slow just because, you know, this, this, and that, you know, because they're going to throw hard either way. It's like telling a kid not to throw a curveball. I mean, they're going to go and throw a curveball with their friends anyway. So, you know, at the end of the day, I know they're going to do things that they need to do as kids, and I think that's important because they're exploring how their body works, um, and they typically do that when adults aren't around, which is good. Um, But then I think, you know, my biggest issue when it comes to stuff like that is that um, a lot of times kids, get fit into what other people think throwing should be. And honestly, to me, that's probably one of the leading causes of why, you know, kids break down is that they're moving in a way that is not conducive to them, and it might work for somebody else. Um, and that's why I post tons of videos as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll quote, tweet tons of throwing videos from other people that guys can go through and look. And, you know, part of the reason I do that is so guys can see how guys move different. So typically I'll just put like a little phrase in there like, hey, watch this guy's arm action, or hey, watch this. So it's not necessarily about, hey, wow, this is the you know, the hardest throw on the planet all the time. It's, hey, look, this guy, look at the way this guy moves this. Look how he uses his leg. And that doesn't mean that that's going to be how you use yours. But when we were kids, we experimented being everybody. I, I remember at one point, you know, probably sitting on a mound at my local park trying to imitate every single pitcher I knew on the Brewers because I was a Brewers fan growing up. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> But, but um, I remember I remember you know trying to to mimic them even even Teddy Higuera even though he was left handed I would be up there trying to be Teddy Higuera. So I mean that was one of those things like you know I don't think kids do as much today where they don't explore because if you try out fifty different things the odds of you finding something that works better for you is is exceptionally higher than if you go somewhere and somebody says you need to throw this way the odds of that coach guessing the exact way that your body should work is. Got to be darn near zero, which means you're going to get lucky every once in a while and maybe hit a couple things that fit somebody, but you also might, you know, deter the other percentage away from ever being able to figure out what they actually need to do.
1: You know, Travis, as I listened to you talk, and I was glad that Spiker brought up the tweet. Um, obviously, you know, you, especially elite baseball specifically. You guys have such a large social media following. We've discussed social media. We've mentioned that word, and that's weird to to think about that. But we've said the word social media now numerous times at the beginning of this. Um, Before I get to the questions that we want to ask you, I have one last thing that that I want to know your own personal belief on. Do you take what you put out on social media very seriously? Like, Do you feel that you have a responsibility to be responsible with your social media?
3: Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, one of those things that, you know, I tell a lot of my students, I, I tell them all the time, I say, listen, I said, I, I try to give guys varying um, ways of thinking about things, whether it be from the mental standpoint, I put out probably a, a third of my tweets are probably mental process thinking just, you know, and every once in a while, you're gonna hit somebody in the wheelhouse where you say something, and they go, man, that really makes sense mentally. And I'm not expecting to hit everybody every time I do it, you know, and um, and I also tell my kids, you know, the kids that I work with especially, I say, listen, you know, once you come in, like, if you're on social media, if you're on, you know, Twitter, follow me. I said, I don't tweet anything about my family. I don't tweet out anything else like that. It's, I said, it's a, it's a strictly baseball account where all I'm doing is I'm trying to help feed you more information um, that you can take the way you want. Because that's the biggest thing is, again, if, you know, if I'm putting out like a I tweeted out a video of Bartolo Colon just having a shorter arm action throw. Yeah, I saw throw. that one. That was a good one. Because I get, I, I get so many kids that come in at a young age, and every single, every single one of them is like, oh, well, my coach wants me to get my arm really long and extend it out. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, but the problem is that a lot of these young kids, when they extend their arm out, they run into this big timing issue that they can't get their arm back into a, a loaded position to be able to throw. So I said, look, I said, here's a, here's a big league guy that's you know, into his 40s, throwing exceedingly well with just a real simple arm action you know it's it's not about having to be long because somebody else is long or having to be short because somebody else is short in their arm action but it's really figuring out how you work as opposed to trying to appease what somebody else thinks you're supposed to look like you know so for me in my in my social media i do take it you know serious where i want people to understand that there are multiple ways to come up with the same solution that it's not about doing it one way and it's not about getting there, again, it's not about getting there immediately. So, you know, I try to help people, you know, in a similar way that you guys do by passing on information from people that have other information. So a lot of the videos I tweet out aren't for me. It's from people I follow, and I say, oh, that's a good video for people to see, or hey, that's a good way of mentally thinking. Let's throw that out there. So, you know, some of them are my own thoughts, and some of them are things that I take from other people as well. I think that's, you know, how we all learn is, is by, by giving and taking.
2: And the career evolves, like it, it evolves out over time. I mean, look at Cologne. I mean, I think the Internet wasn't invented when he <laughs> first entered into the league, but he has completely changed himself to a guy that was a power thrower to now. I'm just going to dice up and just be a, cra- a crafty righty. So it, it, it changes over time. And with with young guys, it's it's trying to tell them, hey, you're you're young right now. You will be older. You will get bigger. You will get stronger. And your, your body could possibly throw 90, just not right. now. Right. Well, right. Travis,
1: it's that time. we got to put you on uh, the proverbial hot seat, so to speak. So <laughs> I think we had mentioned that um, when, when Spiker, uh, really this was kind of his brainchild, when we, when we talked about how we wanted this to be a little bit different, we take very seriously the role of us being that liaison between you and a lot of parents and coaches out there that really – Ultimately, are just looking for answers, which you know you've been with me almost from the beginning. That's kind of what this show is about, right? We're not, we're not definitely saying do this, don't do that, do this. Don't. We're like, here's a bunch of information. Now go out, research a little bit more. Go meet some people, talk to them, do what feels right. Okay, follow so you on Twitter, yeah, follow you on Twitter. So, um, <laughs> so we've got we put down four questions that we feel like these would kind of encompass if, uh, if some parent in. You know, St. Louis, Missouri, or, or Long Beach, California, or somewhere City. out in Maine, somewhere in Canada. God, who cares where it is? Netherlands. Yeah. If they had the opportunity to, to ask you four questions, we kind of, now obviously people, you know, heck, they may want to know how hard you threw or whatever. My point is, these are four questions that we think kind of cover a lot of thoughts that they have. So we're going to, uh, we want you to be as honest as you can be, okay? Which I know that's no problem for you, and that's why I love you. So I know that's not an issue. So, the very first one. You ready? Yep. This is a good one. Is throwing a baseball safe or, better yet, even a good idea?
3: Well, that's a, that is a good question. You know, uh, and I have a couple responses. You know, one, we started doing a little bit of weighted, um, weighted throwing, and I get people all the time like, well, you guys are using weighted balls. And I said, well, I said if you think about it, even a five-ounce ball is a weighted ball. It's just an arbitrary number that was placed on a ball. So, I mean, you know, that's one of those things that I, I, I think that throwing is a safe thing. Um, I think from the, the majority of research that's been done now, um, most injury is caused from fatigue, and that fatigue can come from several different factors. That fatigue can come from, you know, overthrowing too many times in one session. That can come from not having enough time between throwing sessions. That can come from you know, muscle deficiencies, so your muscle breaks down quicker, so you're going to fatigue sooner. It could come from efficiency of movement. But really, it's, it's the fatigue that causes a lot of that. So I think, you know, inherently, you know, when I was growing up, it was always, well, you know, throwing a baseball is inherently, you know, dangerous because it's, you know, this, this, and that. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Um, I think, you know, the arm is built the way it was built for a reason you know, if the arm wasn't supposed to move overhead, then the range of motion in our arms wouldn't be the way the range of our motion in our arms is. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily, you know, risky to throw a ball. I think you should throw. You know, that's you know part of human nature. I mean, you give a, you give a kid a, a ball at a, a real simple young age. They don't even know how to throw yet. They're going to pick the ball up above their head typically, <laughs> even if it's right by their ear, and they're just going to push it out towards you. Um, so I think you know it's one of those things that I think is important. Um, for for development. And I think, you know, should be done. And obviously, as we talked about prior to this, um, should be done in a controlled environment where, you know, you're not, you're not subjecting people to fatigue.
1: You, I mean, again, in this podcaster slash coach slash parent's opinion, you hit on the word that, that signifies it all for me. And that's fatigue. I've listened to numerous guys talk about their opinions i've heard doctors i've talked to you know this and that and it all comes down to me for fatigue that's what i think has really changed that if you look at the progression of baseball over the years and this quote unquote epidemic that we have with arm injuries the one thing for me that has consistently changed is not enough rest i'm sorry i uh, a lot of people i've i've mentioned this on the show before Tim McCarver, who a lot of people know very well, was a, a guy that you'd see on Major League Baseball, the, the games of the week and the best game. You know, he'd do all the playoffs. He's now settled into a role as he finishes his career because, you know, he, he just wanted to do something. So he's doing some Cardinal games. He said the most amazing thing. It was like a year or two ago. Uh, he was doing the game. And Dan McLaughlin's a guy that does a play-by-play. And I think it was Adam Wainwright, and I think he was at like 93 pitches. And the coach come out. And the Cardinals were moving right along. I think they were winning a game like one nothing, And I think they finally got a base runner. And as the coach come out, McLaughlin very simply says, uh, what do you see here, Tim? Is this just a move to, get, you know, to give the bullpen a little more time? Or uh, do you think something's going on here? And he goes, bullpen time? This is the first base runner they've had all day. Why would you take him out here? Well, you know he is at 93 pitches. And McCarver very simply said, look, what does that have to do with this? It's not pitch count, folks. I'm sorry, we've never been more concerned about pitch count in our life, and yet we have more problems. so I assure you it's not pitch count
2: so here's a question for travis is is it the high pressure situations that we should worry about, or is it the number we should worry about
3: see now that that's that's a really good point that you just brought out there Spiker. so one you know one thing that you know I think is is going to probably you know and unfortunately it might be another year or two till. So we probably have enough data collected, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of companies out there now that have product that can tell us how much strain is going through the through the arm in particular in the throwing process. So I think you know, from the early data that I've seen, is that there is obviously um, a difference in fastballs in pitchers in 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 a singular pitcher from pitch to pitch. So that tells you that there are going to be a more intense situation with the throw or there is fatiguing during the course of the throw. So the body breaks down and requires more strain out of the arm to produce the speed that the person is trying to produce. So, you know, honestly, I, I, my, my, my gut would lean towards the fact that I think there is stress, um, in different situations. Um, you know, and, and even going to that Wainwright, even going to the Wainwright scenario, you know, if, if, He's built, and his body doesn't break down at that point. Then he could be a guy that might go 100, 105, 110, whatever, whatever his body can handle. And I think you know, at some point, you know, you're probably going to see, you know, some sort of, you know, movement towards being able to track that, even during the course of a game. You know, even if it's a simple undershirt that will start to tell when heart rate goes up or when muffler fatigues or whatever ends up being the case, that I think that is going to be the important part of kind of where baseball um, is going to go. And obviously hopefully even for youth because, you know, youth is so much harder to track because you get kids that play on numerous teams that are doing all this different stuff outside of, you know, just one confined arena where, you know, big league pitcher, you know exactly when that guy's going to throw, you know exactly how much he's going to throw because it's, it's all scheduled out and it's all televised. Um, so I think it's more, you know, in that situation, I'm always worried about the kids because, you know, like I said, you, know, you get kids that are on multiple teams and coaches don't know what this kid's doing and coaches, this coach doesn't know what he does with that team. And so, you know, they end up throwing back to back days and the kid doesn't say anything and the parents are just like, well, you know, but they really need my kid to win. And I'm like, well, that's, that's crazy. But um, well, even celebrity appearances, is. you know, like
2: <laughs> Bryce Harper coming in. I remember stories of hearing Bryce Harper being flown in to different tournaments just to win. <laughs> so I, I, I completely understand that, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I, I, do, think, I do think that there's definitely something to um, the intensity of the situation, so the amount of stress that goes into an individual throw, and then how much, you know, fatigue a person can take. Everybody's going to be different in that standpoint, too, which is why, again, it's hard to just say, here's the pitch count, and there it is, because even where the pitch counts at, you're going to get some kids that still, even at a lower number, you're still going to get some kids that aren't physically able to get to that number, but the coach is be like, well, that's the limit, so I can get them there. I can throw them up to that many. But the kid might not be able to physically take that. You know. And then there might be kids on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you know, they could handle 15 pitches more than you know, whatever the limit is or whatever ends up being the case. So I think it's hard. I think at least they're doing a good job of trying to figure something out I just don't think the answer is there yet.
1: It's interesting, though, to also hear, and, and you mentioned it, everybody's different, to hear McCarver then say, I'd like to see a manager come out and try to take Bob Gibson out because he was at 98 pitches. <laughs> so it, I, I guess it does that depend on who you're talking about. Okay. Well, that
3: culture, that culture was also different. I mean, sure. that's the thing. Is the, the, the culture back then was you started the game, you finished the game.
2: That was gorilla. I mean, that
3: was like the, Little you pitching. know, back in that time, you know, you give up five runs, it was still your game. Like, you're not coming out of this game. <laughs> Go get him. You em. give up five runs.
1: Okay, next. And that was
3: that was that was the kind of the way it was. You know, now I think it's changed so much because there's so much in specialized relief and stuff like that that
2: Well there's you know, data. You
3: don't need, yeah. You don't need to extend people out as much. You've got more information. You've got more and I think I so said, you know, in the next couple of years I think it's really gonna continue to take off where, you know, we have the same conversation in two years, you know, these questions are probably gonna be a lot different. You know, and that's what's kinda of fun for, for me when I do this too, is that you know, it's going to continue to develop. And I, there's a lot of people out there that I deal with as well that, you know, don't like the fact that data and research and analytics is coming into sport. And me personally, I love it. I mean, the more information we have, the better off we are. And, you know, even though I might not use all the data that comes in, because some of the stuff I'm like, well, this is, this is going a little bit too far beyond, you know, just reasonable, let's get an idea. I would, you know, I'm would, i going to read and find every information that I can to at least give myself the chance to be best equipped and then do my due diligence once I see that to try to, you know, even replicate kind of what they've done in their research and what they found so that I can see, you know, in my arena and in, in a controlled environment for me, am I getting similar results or am I finding something different? Because, again, there's not enough raw data at this point, um, as it comes to fatigue and stuff like that for us to really completely know yet.
1: Well, here's the one, this is a question that in this day and age, the way, you know, you've always got to, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but maybe I am, you know, as we over protect <laughs> our kids. Okay. We overprotect, right. I mean, I never wore, and you know, I'm sorry. I never wore a helmet on my bike and I turned out okay. And I, did a lot of things now that we don't let our kids do, and it worked. You know, monkey bars. We can go on and on. But here's the question that every parent is going to ask too, because now that we've scared the hell out of them, really, seriously. I mean, really. If you're a new parent to this and you listen to this, you're going, "Oh my goodness!" Right? So now that we've scared the hell out of them, the next question is, can you tell? Like this would be now. Now, mind you, remember our scenario. This is a parent talking to you. Can you tell if my kid is pr- prone to injury from pitching?
3: Can I tell? Yes. I mean, there's, there's definitely indicators that that will that will lead to that. And, and again, that goes back to kind of the beginning, um, testing mobility. Um, whether you're talking about mobility through the hips, uh, mobility through the spine, mobility through the shoulders, um, you could definitely tell from those indicators. I get some guys that come in that have very limited um, thoracic mobility, so upper upper spine mobility, um, which tends to lead to lack of shoulder mobility, and that lack of shoulder mobility is going to force essentially the, the forearm to have to accelerate sooner than it needs to in the process. And by doing that, you're going to ultimately put more strain um, into the arm than need be in the arm. So mobility plays a big part of of that. So you could definitely tell when kids come in. Um, even you know a lot of guys, if, if I'm limited in time and I still need to get some sort of, Thing um, done, it's simple enough to get somebody in a squat position, have them squat down and see how their hips are, are working, or it's simple enough to, to put somebody's back up against the wall. Have them put their arms hands they lift, like a referee in a spearball position. Have them run their arms straight up above their head and then pull their elbows back down into um, mid-back on the side of their body, and you'll be able to tell a lot of uh, mobility in the shoulder and upper back and hips by those two simple things alone. Um, so being able to do that is definitely one thing. Then obviously, you know, again, functional strength uh, becomes the next thing. So, I mean, that's simple enough as well. You could take, you know, a younger kid who you're not going to go and have, like, let's, get, let's go do a weight test, have you squat weights. I'm not going to do that. But it's simple enough to, to do, you know, stability um, and strength testing with them to see whether they can, you know, withstand what they're trying to do at this point. Um, but even at that, at, that, at that moment, I mean, you can still throw a ball not being completely really efficient. You know, it's, it's, it's just the risk of, okay, are we in a, in a higher zone for possibly my kid's arm being sore? Well, you probably are. But, you know, I don't know too many kids that were growing up that at some point didn't have the natural soreness in the arm that comes from just using anything. I mean, if I go and run five miles today, my legs and my hips are going to be sore tomorrow. Simply because I use my legs and my hips. That doesn't mean that it's a terrible thing. That just means the muscle activated and it broke down. I just need to make sure I give it time before I go run again. Um, so there's definitely ways to be able to tell that, you know, even from a movement standpoint, um, you know, now being able to have access not only to 2D video, but 3D video. Um, and, you know, honestly, 2D is a lot of times you know, decent enough for the average person to be able to kind of get a, a grasp of kind of how the, the body works. So, I mean, there's definitely definitely ways to be able to um, figure out whether your kid is, in this moment, more, more likely to get hurt than somebody else. But, again, I've seen kids that are, you know, really, really well averse in their mobility and strength and relatively good in their, their movements, get sore, you know, or break down and have to take a little bit of time off. So, I mean, I've seen, I don't think there's ever a perfect answer to, is my kid going to get hurt? You know, it's kind of like being a boxer and expecting him to never get a concussion. You're literally getting paid to to punch other other people in the head, and you're expecting that you might not get a concussion. I <laughs> mean, you know, you could go up as a batter and, and be like, well, I'm never going to get hurt, and get drilled and drilled in the wrist, and you sit out, you know, whatever. So, you know, your preparation doesn't always, you know, lead to safety.
1: No, of course. Okay, next. Should I be worried if my kid can't throw hard?
3: Absolutely not. And that's again one of those things that, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's not a matter of is my kid throwing hard, you know, in this moment. You know, it, there there's there's again this, this unique desire as as an athlete or even as a parent to want our kids to be best and I get that. I mean again my kid's sick. Yeah, I mean if my kid was out there, you know, playing basketball, if like he's in basketball right now, and he was, if he's dribbling around everybody and, like, making every shot he shoots, I'm going to have a sense of pride because it's my kid. But if he's not the, the best player on his team, you know, as long as he gets done with the game and he enjoyed it and he had fun and he, you know, he's like, yeah, hey, I want to go you know, practice my dribbling so I can dribble better. To me, that's all that matters. Like, it's, it's a matter of allowing your kids to enjoy being a kid and having fun with their friends. You know, and as time goes on and their body matures, if they go, hey, look, you know, this this route might work for me, I'm going to do that. You know, I, I had a kid the other day that came in, it was nine. He's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a one-sport athlete. I'm like, what are you, you're nine? Like, who says they're a one-sport <laughs> athlete when they're nine? Like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, what? why would you even consider that? Why is it even a comment you're making to me? It's like it's like he was trying to say, like, how dedicated he is to baseball. And I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's not good. I said, you can go be a kid. Like, go play basketball.
2: Yeah, get some variety.
3: Play, you know, go play, go play tennis, go play football. Go, go be a kid. And like, if you get to the point where your body starts physically maturing, when you're, you know, getting into your sophomore, junior years of high school, senior year of high school, and your body says, "Hey, listen, we can do some pretty special things because we're physically ready to do it." Well, then go pursue it more. Then, then be like, "Okay, now I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really make myself ready to go for this." You know.
1: Okay, last question. Is there a breaking point for my kid's arm?
3: Is there a breaking point? I mean, there's a breaking point for anything. I mean, there, it's, it goes back to the fatigue thing. I mean, you know, when you throw, you're always going to get micro tears that happen. It's like anything else. Again, you know, it's, it's like building up muscle doing anything else. So, you know, me being at the gym earlier today, if I did shoulders today, let's so say I lift my shoulders, I'm going to get um, slight, slight tears in my, in my shoulder and the muscles. Um, and I'm going to get a little bit of, you know, changed uh, mobility pattern based on how I moved while I was lifting. So it's my responsibility then at that point to give my muscle time to recover from those tears. So That's how they grow. They tear to be able to fill in to grow. And it's my job to make sure that at some point during the day, typically I do it after I lift, is to go back through my mobility work to make sure that my range of motion in my shoulders is back to normal um, because it was changed because i did put you know strain on the joint by lifting um and putting my arm through a slightly different pattern than it might be in a normal throwing process for me so i mean there's there's always you know a breaking point um that something could go wrong and again that's one of those things i mean you know you said it best i think earlier when you're you know talking about you know we could we could we wore we didn't wear helmets when we were kids and we sat in the front seat and you know, I used to jump off my garage for, for pizza, you know, and I didn't really think about getting hurt. Now could I have got hurt? I could have got hurt on every jump. You know, but to me at that point in my life, the the fun of the fun and thrill of jumping off my garage was was more exciting than the other way. I'm not telling you guys to go jump off your garage. Don't do that. But
1: I did it. Um, <laughs> I did it and I'm here to talk about it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, we we over well, our kids.
3: <laughs> but so at that point, honestly, like, you know, it if and I know this sounds again, this is to me not pulling punches kind of thing again, but you know, if your main thought is I don't want my kid to get hurt, then sports isn't the thing. I mean, realistically, oh, yeah. like,
1: amen, you, amen.
3: You could practice, you could practice every day. You know, in basketball, and one day just randomly land on somebody's ankle and roll your ankle. Well, what are you going to do about that? Not play basketball. You're going to stop jumping next time you go in the lane. So, I mean, realistically, as a thrower, I mean, there's just there's an inherent risk that you could get hurt. That's that's part of. That's part of what you're signing up for. Yeah, and, again, no, that goes no back I, yeah. I to I always use that as an analogy, like I said, for boxing. That would be like a boxer, you know, being upset because they got a concussion. And in my head, I'm like, well, you, you signed up to punch people in the head. Like, what,
1: <laughs> and get punched.
3: <laughs> well, but that's, but that's what you're signing up for. So when you're, when you're deciding that you're going to take a baseball, especially as a pitcher where you're going to throw it at a higher at a higher intensity for a longer period of time and you, and you're just assuming that there's no possibility or you don't want any risk of getting hurt. That's, that's kind of, you know, out of the question in my mind. I mean, there's, it's, it's what you're signing up for. There's, there's a chance you could get hurt no matter how much preparation you do, no matter how much effort you put into it, no matter how good your diligence is about taking care of your arm and arm care and strengthening mobility, there's, there's an inherent risk that you could get hurt and maybe you won't, but that's, you, you can't sit and, like, think about that in the back of your head the whole time. Like, well, I don't know if I want to go real hard because I don't want to get hurt. Well, you know, that's, that's you know, something that people have to understand as well. I mean, there's just that's part of it. That's like getting in your car. Like, who wants to get hurt getting in their car? But the inherent risk is if you drive your car, you could get an accident. And it might not feel good when that happens. <laughs> but
1: Probably you're not. Still gonna yeah. get in
3: your, you're still, you're still going to get in your car, and you're going to go where you need to go. You can either, you know, go to your job or enjoy your life. And that's just, that's a decision you make. And you consciously know that something bad could happen, but you do it, you know? And that's the same thing is that as a kid, I never thought about, and it's weird because as a kid, like when I'm thinking now, like I was probably, I don't even know, maybe 17 or 18, maybe just starting out in college before I even realize I even realized that your arm could, could really seriously get hurt. Because when I was a kid, nobody talked about it. You just picked up a baseball and chucked it. If your arm was sore, you stopped throwing. You know, so if I was out oh. throwing, you know, with my, my dad in the park, or whatever, and my arm got sore, and I was like, oh, "My arm's a little bit sore." You just, you, at that point, you'd stop throwing. And if you woke up the next day and it was still a little bit sore, you wouldn't throw. Then you just go grab your bat and swing. And that's, the day you woke up after that. It felt better. You go and throw again. It's the whole you know? doctor was, thing, like,
1: right? The whole my arm hurts. Yeah, you, my arm you know, hurts when you know I do you know this. Well, then don't do that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's the thing, right? That's, you know, body. and that's where I think you know some of us don't have that some of us don't have that common sense because we're so overprotective or underprotective because you get that too, where you're just like, Hey, you need to go up and throw every day until you can throw harder than everybody else. Well, that's <laughs> kind of, that's kind of loopy as well. So, I mean, I think it's just, you know, know, know the risks, know the rewards and figure out, you know, where you fit in. But the tough part is, you know, kids, kids need to have part of that responsibility and it's harder at a young age. It's not the parents' responsibility. I mean, it's, if the kid's like, listen, man, I'm I'm a junior in high school, and I got to go for it because, you know, I feel like this is my last shot, or otherwise I'm going to be done with baseball, and I don't care if something happens in my arm, I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to stand in that guy's way. I mean, that's 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 his consciousness. I'm going to be like, well, it's not in your best interest. And so the kid's are like, well, then I'm just done with baseball forever. So, I mean, there's there's cases where, you know, sometimes you've you got to throw a little caution to the wind. Hopefully not with the younger kids, but you know i've seen guys in college be like listen like i something's got to happen you know either that or you know i'm done and i'm going to go get a job and i'm willing to i'm willing to say you know i might increase my my opportunity for injury here but i got one last shot at this otherwise i'm done well that's that's a unique situation again so it's hard to ever have a general conversation because there's so many different things that go into you know what's happening within a certain person
1: well i can tell you this um so I think Spiker would agree as we were kind of looking at each other a lot while you were talking and nodding our heads and, you know, almost in not, not just in agreement, but like, man, some of this makes so much sense that you were by far the perfect guest to have on our first, uh, first episode, really, of the Chasing Velocity series. Travis, you do such a great job, and you're so influential within the baseball community. For those that are not familiar uh, with where they can find you, tell our listeners how they can follow you.
3: Uh, you, can, you can follow us. At elite baseball training uh, on on social media at elite underscore baseball or at Travis Kerber on Twitter, obviously you know if you get a chance, please also take a look at uh, at us at elite baseball TV uh, where we've got a bunch of um, videos housed uh, for for members to be able to uh, help hopefully be able to train their kids better as well, and uh, also gives you a forum to be able to Send in videos uh, for us to be able to kind of analyze and give you some feedback
1: on. Oh, it's great stuff, and you know, obviously, we've Justin's basically been with us almost from the beginning, and has been such a big influence on the show, and has helped us grow the show as much as we've helped you guys get the word out. So, um, you know, people that that listen to this each and every week are really familiar with EliteBaseballTV. But as we gain new new listeners, new followers, if you're new to it. Again, uh, you know, you'll hear me say it over and over again. I know there's some people out there that goes, "Here he goes again. He's talking about EliteBaseball.tv." I cannot, cannot promote it enough. It's great stuff. And Travis, you guys do a great job, and I appreciate you coming on, my man.
3: Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Spiker. You guys are the best, man. Keep up, keep up what you do.
1: All right, take care, my man. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, Travis. That's Travis Kerber with Elite Baseball out of Chicago. He's a tremendous guy. I want to remind everybody again to to check out EliteBaseball.tv. Uh, interestingly enough, Justin, who does the EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week, is in Florida. He's doing some consulting work with, I can't believe I'm going to say this, the Chicago Cubs, <laughs> uh-huh. being that I'm a Cardinal fan. And Justin actually was a Cardinal fan because he grew up in the area. So uh, it was interesting that you know while we don't have an Elite Baseball tip of the week this week, we actually heard from Travis, which there's a lot of great tips in there, um, Uh, I want to remind everybody, too, that uh, this show is possible. Thanks again to The Rope Trainer. I encourage you, theropetrainer.com. Check it out. Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, Chris Verna, three guys that are trying to change the landscape of how we go about protecting the arm, but at the same time training it and getting it ready without the unnecessary bullets. So make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. Before we get to our Ask Rick segment, Spiker, you said something that stuck with me the whole time through that interview. And after listening to Travis, I want I want you to give me your thoughts now on something you said. One of the things that I think is a huge issue, and I think the driving force behind the biggest problem when it comes to this is, is when a kid, especially at a young age, does things that other kids at that age can't do. It, as the example in this particular instance, throw a baseball hard, especially if it's really hard. I, Travis brought up the kid that's 11 and throws 71. I yeah. mean, that's ridiculous. That's, that's 1% okay. of people. Yeah, I mean, it's less than 1, I'd probably yeah. bet. But, I think I
2: said 7. I think
1: it was or, or whatever it yeah. was. So this thing you said, just I couldn't get it out of my head that I think this is sometimes part of the driving force. At any time when a kid's that young and does something, and I'll call it extraordinary. That's fine. Why not? Why not say it's extraordinary when, a, when you have the kid or if the kid's on your team that just throws so hard. We've all seen them, right? They're out there. Every every good team's got them. They, heck, the real good ones have two or three of them. No. But it's this mentality, and you said it, maybe my kid can have a career in this. Now, it's one thing to say that when they're in their body, for some kids, high school, not all kids, but for
2: some kids, high school, definitely college.
1: It, but to be saying that at 9 or 10,
2: I think, fuels this problem. Oh, it's crazy. And like, I, I was talking to my dad about this a while back. And I, I love my dad. He he, he played football at um, Southeast Missouri State and was never in the baseball realm. And I asked him the question. I said, when did you know that like I could possibly have a career in baseball? And me, being young, I just enjoyed playing the game. And he's like... Not until high school. Like people came up to me and said, he's really good. But it was one of those things where I understood that how hard it is to get there. And I, I just knew that I just wanted you to have fun and play. And so I gave you as many games, as many teams as you wanted. And then once you said you were kind of like, I'm tired of this, then we kind of backed off a little bit.
1: Well, listen, the number one thing here, and if you take anything out of what Travis said, Uh, The questions always surround, you know, there's health in the back of the mind with anything you do with this, right? So I think listening to you say that just about baseball in general, something in this, the encouragement I would think from youth baseball talk would be listen to your kids. Mm -hmm. Don't dismiss them. Don't dismiss them at any time in this process, whether it's um, my arm hurts. Mm -hmm. Don't dismiss it as, oh, get out there and throw. Uh, i'm tired don't dismiss it as your kids being a baby uh i i want to back off a little bit don't dismiss it as your kid doesn't love the game listen to your kids know your kid that's the other thing
2: too know your kid and and travis made a really really good point about specializing and it it's going back to saying like oh i'm specializing in baseball and i'm nine years old that that's not a good thing and when you Look at it. If you go into a buffet, you're not going to just eat chicken. You're going to go and get every single piece of item that you absolutely love. So don't don't deprive yourself from basketball, football or even like even even the arts or playing the band, playing in band or something along those lines. Be more versatile, have, have, have a longer, a longer versatility, you know.
1: Spiker, you're a natural at this. Okay, I don't you've know, just started. You're I don't a natural. Know about that. In the world of segways. in the world of segues, you mentioning specialization in sports, yeah. especially baseball. It's time now to go to the coach himself, uh, Rick Strickland from the St. Louis Pirates. It's time for our Ask Rick segment, which is brought to you by Blast Motion. Uh, when you hear the question this week, Spiker, I think you're going to be really surprised. Take it away, Rick.
0: Hey, Jim. Thanks again for having me on the show this week. Uh, as you know, I've been gone for about uh, 12 or 13 days down in. Jupiter, um, working with some minor league hitters down there. Uh, Nice weather back home. Had a good day here, and I see we got snow in the forecast. But uh, be that as it may, I know the question of the week this week was regarding um, what sports or any recommended sports should a player uh, participate in besides baseball. Um, I'm a big proponent of guys playing multiple sports, uh, especially early on in the development cycle. And what I mean by that is 12 and 13, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. I don't think that that's a time for um, committing yourself to one particular sport at this point. There's a lot of advantages for learning different types of motor patterns, learning patterns, uh, a different skills set uh, being um, learned, uh, different type of competition uh, that's going on, whether it be team, individual, things of that nature. So I'm a big proponent, especially in your early development athletic years, uh, to being able to do multiple sports. So I don't have a particular favorite or non-favorite. My I my, myself tried to play baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, ran a little bit of track. So I did a little bit of everything, which is the way it used to be. Now in the age of specialization, people think that they need to just play one particular sport at this point. And, you know, sometimes that has its advantages. But in uh, our culture, I think it's probably – works against the player a little bit um, athletically for, for focusing strictly on one sport. Now, that being said, as you get a little older and, and you, you recognize yourself as a uh, that baseball might be the ticket or football might be t- the ticket for you for college, then you might think a little bit more about, you know, time commitments to other sports that you probably need to be spending a little bit more time on the development cycle than sports. But usually in baseball, because it's such a late developing sport, that's probably about the age of 16. Uh, that you might start to get considerations with that, but I would tell you, if you're Division two, II, Division three type athletes, I wouldn't put a high priority on focusing strictly on one sport at that point in time. You know, I would continue to do, you know, multiple sports from that sport. So, to answer the question, I don't really care or have an opinion about which sport you actually play. It is as um, long as you're getting, you know, good athletic workout, good training, uh, good coaching and learning uh, a different way to go about your business of uh, uh, of learning how to, to do, do those sports. So uh, to answer that question is a tough one. What sport should you pick? You know, really and truly, it's whatever one you like doing the most. Continue to do that as long as you can. And then when that age of uh, when you have to make a decision about what to do at that point in time, then, then you make a choice. But early on, I would say play as many as you can uh, and then go from there. Thanks, Jim. Uh, for, I'm happy to be on the show every week. Keep the questions coming. Can't wait to next question for next week. Thank you, guys.
1: Good stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, you're new to this, so I'll just kind of tell you how it works. Yeah. Of course, is yeah. that we get a lot of questions all the time for the Ask Rick segment, and I try to culminate or not culminate. I try to put them together. I don't know what word I want to use there, but I put them together, and I think, okay, this will answer a lot of these questions. And you know, with this week's question being basically. You know, do you recommend any sport as a secondary sport for baseball that will help me with baseball? You know, when I read that, and again, I I don't speak for Rick, I don't speak for, I don't speak for you. I speak for me. When I read that, I think, "God, anything" just do anything you know I I've heard so many coaches say look I don't care what you do just do something that's kind of how I feel about it
2: so. yeah just uh, croquet
1: whatever water polo, yeah, whatever, whatever it is <laughs> get something that doesn't involve just using the thumbs on the controller exactly. but I'm pumped. but no do do some of that too be a yeah. kid nothing wrong with that that's you know the shows for kids be a kid too mm-hmm. you know I've always said that if I tell my kids I look like I don't care what you do in your, your free time as long as you're doing constructive stuff with a lot of your time I'm fine with it I don't I don't care so uh, good stuff. This is a good first episode. I like this. This was good. I'm looking forward to it. We've got great guests lined up. We encourage you to make sure you, you keep following the show. A uh, lot of great back episodes. The most encouraging thing that I see, and I was telling Spiker this when he first came on, is the encouraging part for me is you know you've got new listeners that find the show because you know we don't just have this episode downloaded every week. I mean... We get downloads from the very first episode we did two years ago every week. So that means people are finding us. You guys are enjoying the show. Don't forget, we encourage your involvement in the show. Make sure you check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the show. It's where you'll find back episodes. You'll see some great videos. And, of course, it's the easiest way to just subscribe to the show. You'll get a notification every time we release a new show. It's very simple to do, youthbaseballtalk.com. Don't forget our Twitter, at podcastbaseball. We love it. Facebook is great. Youth Baseball Talk, you'll
2: find us there as well. Spiker, how they find you again? Um, We have a Facebook page, Tournament Guy, if you want to go there. Um, We have excellent video content. Um, Youth Baseball Talk has shared a number of our videos. Um, That's how Jim found me. As well as you can find us on Twitter, um, Tourney Guy, at Tourney Guy. Good stuff. Well, in the books, my man, that's number one. Boom. I'm excited about this. I think think the value prop is going to be huge.
1: Yeah, I do. And, again, we'd love to hear from you guys and and anything that, you know, anything you get out of this that's helpful, we'd love to know that. And, again, I've said it once, I'll say it again. The email is simple, info at youthbaseballtalk.com. You can disagree with this stuff and send us some notes. We'd love to hear it. So don't forget us. Send the emails. Tweet at us facebook at us we want your engagement we also appreciate you sharing and liking the stuff that we do on social media it's how we grow the show so for my co-host spiker holmes for myself jim cromer this is youth baseball talk we'll see you next week
0: tune in next week for another edition of youth baseball talk subscribe and leave a rating and review on itunes google play stitcher or wherever you listen to the show Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk or on Twitter at podcast baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm Today's show is presented by DaVinci
1: Smart Drink. Order yours now at lineupmedia.fm forward slash DaVinci, DaVinci, excite better thinking
2: You need a mental boost da vinci smart drinks were designed with professional thinkers in mind with key ingredients shown to improve cognitive function and increase mental energy da vinci smart drinks excite better thinking drink a da vinci let it go to your head
3: this podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm